0: I've heard a lot of people talk about how uh, kind of ironic it is that a lot of the NFT community, which are like very new to crypto, generally speaking, 2021 and 2022, largely all of our assets are self-custody because we use MetaMask and because you you can't use a centralized exchange to buy and sell NFTs, really. And uh, the vast majority of people that got burned were people that had been around for many, many, many years.
1: Supposedly sophisticated people from crypto Twitter, right?
0: Who have so
1: enjoyed disparaging NFTs this whole time? Um Yeah, that is kind of funny. Two
0: board apes talking NFTs, DeFi, and random stuff. Two board apes
1: talking NFTs, DeFi, and some random stuff. Welcome to episode sixty-one of Two Board Apes. I'm your host, Jamie here with my friend and co-host Roy.
0: Roy, how are you? We, we there's a lot to talk about, isn't there? There is a lot to talk about. This is a very special episode. This is this is a pivotal point in the direction of this podcast potentially because we are foregoing our regular formatting because we have such a strict format, but we're, we're, yeah, we're we Yeah, we actually up have two
1: formats and this one is following neither.
0: Correct. Yeah, we're not doing Twitter Q&A, which the last two episodes without, so I think people will be happy to hear that. We're also not doing our usual news of the week, generative art, uh, yada, yada, yada. This is a special episode to talk about FTX and the drama and the fallout and the everything. Yeah,
1: because ostensibly it would be the news of the week, but it's, it's one of the all-time biggest frauds in history, never uh-huh. mind just in crypto. So it just seems so big that we might as well just kind of talk about it specifically and then kind of riff on the implications mm-hmm. um, and all of that. Because it's just it's so big, and the story is pretty fucking juicy as well, and it's still oh, unfolding. Yeah. So there's there's mm-hmm. a lot to get into. Um, so how do we start this? You want to just kind of give mean, an overview or something, we, or
0: what? Yeah, I mean, I imagine almost if you listen to this and you don't know what's going on with FTX, you you, you maybe were just in a coma and woke up like, and the first yeah. thing you did well, was like, Ooh, you're up "Episode if, of Two Board Apes. <laughs>
1: buckle up if you're listening and you don't know anything about it.
0: Yeah, do you want to give a quick high-level overview and then we'll get into like all sorts sure. of details? Sure. So
1: FTX is an exchange, was an exchange. I guess it still is an exchange, but it's now defunct basically. Um and it was run by this guy Sam, SBF is is how he's known in the space. Um and just recently it blew up. It uh is only a few years old and it's they they raised money various times, most recently I believe it was this January at a valuation of thirty-two billion dollars. This is a company that exploded and seemed to have a huge future. Um, and it and it just imploded about two weeks ago now, a week and a half or something ago. Um, and there's a lot to it. There was a related entity called Alameda, which is seems to be the main reason that it blew up. Um but uh that yeah, that's where I'll start and what do you want to yeah. say off of that?
0: Yeah, I mean like maybe the let's get into like why it blew up. And and effectively it I mean the, the the short version is there was some concerning news about various things that they were doing which led to a uh a mass exodus of people trying to withdraw their money, a bank run so to speak. And then it just became apparent that they said they paused withdrawals and said we don't have the money. We can't pay everyone. And then people were like, "Hey, what the hell?" Where are our deposits? We deposited money. What happened to that? And then we started unraveling and and people have been digging down Yeah. So
1: to get a little bit more specific, I think the thing you're referring to started with um, CZ, the head of Binance, saying he was going to sell their FTT token. So basically, he Mm -hmm. was an early investor in FTX. And FTX had their own specific token called FTT. Um, and so CZ recently announced that he wanted to sell his FTT position, but he wanted to do it slowly. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Just because it all
0: sounds
1: ridiculous.
0: Just the number of acronyms. Uh, CZ CZ is selling his FTT tokens, which is FTX, which is
1: SBFs. (laughs) I don't disagree. So anyway, he wanted to sell his FTT token and he said he was going to do it slowly so as not to Mm. impact the price in the market. And then Alameda Research, which is a, basically a hedge fund that is extremely related to FTX, even though ostensibly they should have been a little bit more distant. Mm. Um, we're going to get a lot more into that later. Basically said that they were willing to buy all of CZ's FTT token at $22. <laughs> um, but basically CZ saying that he wanted to sell it spooked the market, and that's what mm-hmm. got other people selling. And that's what kind of started the bank run, which I believe, ended up being about $6 billion, $6 billion within 72 hours of people yeah. withdrawing. Um.
0: Something like that. And I guess, I mean, we should explain CZ is the founder and CEO of Binance, which is by far the largest crypto exchange in the world. Yes. And, yeah, so I mean, they're effectively the number one competitor to FTX, where they were. And right. this kind of made them even more the number one competitor. Um. But yeah, the reason he said that he wanted to sell or they were planning to sell or they were actively selling their FTT tokens was that I think a week or so prior, some news came out that someone looked into like the the balance sheets or the, the books for Alameda research, which they had been using the FTT as collateral and sort of uh, estimating the value of it as like, billion and the total market cap of FDT was way lower, or like the the volume wasn't there to you know, if they wanted to sell two billion dollars worth, they wouldn't even get close. They could maybe sell like $50 million, let alone two billion. And so it just seemed like there was some shady stuff happening and and then CZ came out and was like, you know what? We, you know, we just wanna, you know, get rid of this token and we're gonna start selling. And then everyone was like, All right, this is kind of scary. There's too much. Some stuff doesn't make sense here. Let's let's get out and then, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Um. So, do you want to maybe we got we need to
1: talk more specifically and more in depth about Alameda because that's such a huge mm-hmm. part of this. Um,
0: How about the origin story?
1: Yeah. So, SBF graduated from MIT. <laughs> then, SBF <laughs> oh, MIT. Acronym. It's another acronym. I forgot. Um, okay. And then so he started working at some... <laughs> created AR,
0: which then created FTX, no, which no, has the no. FTT token, which CZ, Um
1: He started working at some trading firm that I don't remember the name of. Some regular trading firm. Mm. Um, and then he left shortly after and started uh, Alameda Research. And as I understand it, the way that they were initially succeeding was... I don't know if you remember this. I definitely remember this. But for a long time, there was a huge discrepancy between Bitcoin, probably a couple other Bitcoins too, but mainly I remember Bitcoin, the prices on the US exchanges versus the prices on the Japanese and Korean exchanges, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars difference per Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just those two countries. Uh, I was in Australia in 2017 when all of this was happening, and there were massive discrepancies there. I, I literally had the thought at one point, and I mean, I put a little more than zero thought into it where I was like, maybe I should try and figure out how to arbitrage. Yeah, there was a big
1: opportunity for people that had, you know, multiple country uh, um, access to exchanges and and also Mm. a good amount of capital. So as I understand it, they were doing a ton of that and making a lot of money. Um, But then as time went on, they started trying to make money other ways um, that were more... uh, I'm sorry, less delta neutral, so to speak. And they had directional um, bets on the market and stuff like that, which is obviously a lot different and more dangerous. And the other thing I've sort of read is that it seems likely that FTX's creation in general was basically just a way to get more funding for Alameda because they were having trouble raising money for Alameda Research mm. in and of itself. I don't know whether or not that's true, um, but, but that is certainly something that I've read.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of now people are you know doubting how true any like a- anything that he's ever said. People are just doubting whether there's yeah. any truth to any of it. But you know,
1: he has certainly shown a willingness to lie constantly. Mm-hmm. And also, like if you read this, the DMs that he sent to this reporter that DM'd him, which is crazy. And his lawyer must fucking hate him. Uh, a, but B he definitely seems to be just, I, I think the term is sociopath, right? Mm. And, you know, he's willing to, from what I'm reading, basically, he can have the smallest little thing justify the biggest thing, right? Where basically he's going, well, we're not using customer funds. It's like, well, Alameda Research is using customer <laughs> funds. And then sent, like, it's it's the smallest yeah. thing that, you have to be so into yourself and like not actually thinking to think mm. that that's actually a legitimate cover. Sort of thing. Yeah.
0: So Alameda Research started in, I think it was twenty seventeen or that's thereabouts, right? and you know the, the origin is a little hazy and and there's uncertainty on exactly how profitable they were with this arbitrage stuff and how much money they made. But eventually, it seemed like they were doing a decent job of making money one way or another and again who knows how accurate it was maybe they just pretended to yeah. make money and then raised money from others by like cooking their books and stuff like that but uh at a certain point uh Sam started FTX which is a crypto exchange and uh it i think uh, that this this uh tagline was the uh the platform for, for traders trade. by traders yep. which uh there's actually what like one of the other previous massive financial frauds in history has the exact same tagline which is, which was funny, but anyway they for for any crypto exchange one of the biggest issues you have to begin with is uh providing liquidity for tokens so let's say you're you're trying to uh you're selling say bitcoin ethereum you know Solana pick ten other coins uh if someone wants to come and buy and sell it's difficult for there to like someone has to start off the buying and selling. If someone goes, I want to buy, someone has to be like, I want to sell. And you, it's very difficult to immediately have buyers and sellers that agree on like the same kind of price. So what every exchange does is they get a a third party company or firm in to basically act as a market maker where they will inject a bunch of liquidity on both sides for buys and sells. And that way, when someone comes in and like a, a, new, a user signs up and they say, I want to buy some, and then there's a bunch of prices and they can, you know, they can immediately get liquidity and and start trading. And what FTX did was used. Uh, Alameda was the market maker for right. FTX, which is very uh, like shady, dodgy, and raises a lot of eyebrows and questions. But for and, and a lot of people like had raised this as a concern over the years. But for whatever reason, people just were like, "Yeah, yeah that seems sort- sketch." But eh. That's sort of a little bit the
1: other funny thing. Funny, not funny, because of how it turned out. But like mm. they had all of the advantages to where it it they were basically yeah. cheating in in a huge sense of the word, right? Yeah. In terms of having an informational advantage on on all of their customers, and still could not profitably trade. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess there's going to be a lot of you know. We'll probably step back. And go in order, and then, but also riff on stuff. One of the other things that I, you know, you keep reading and seeing, um, and there's that famous uh, interview with Caroline where where this comes up. They did not seem to be at all into any sort of reasonable bankroll management. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also that uh, SPF had that thread where he's basically talking about how um, the Kelly criterion is like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- they're, they they kept seemingly wanting to have more leverage. And bigger sizing, more leverage, bigger sizing, which, you know, works great when it works great, but works terrible when it works terrible. Yeah. Um, So what what ended up sort of seemingly happening in in the aggregate the big thing was that Alameda would lose money and then FTX would plug that hole by sending customer funds, which they're absolutely positively not supposed to be doing, obviously, to Alameda to plug the hole. Um, because Alameda was, like you were sort of talking about earlier, they were taking out loans and using things like FTTS collateral and, and other coins that they created, where, again, they would have a very small float, so that on paper, the position would be, say, $200 million. But realistically, if they were to sell all of it, they would be able to only get $2 million or something for that position. Um, so they had these seemingly big positions that they would take out loans on, and then when things went bad, They couldn't actually sell those to pay back the loan. So they would steal slash borrow the customer funds from FTX. Mm. Um, And and that seems to be the main source of where the money pit came from. Yeah. And the the main fraud. And they also, I'm sorry, had a, basically a backdoor in the system. So that way these transfers would be obfuscated from Mm. whoever the geniuses were who were doing the auditing for this. Yeah. Um, and, and so they couldn't actually see it. Supposedly, again, supposedly, right? We don't allegedly, know how deep the fraud goes and all yeah. that stuff. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep going a little bit. Yeah. They had no board of directors. They had no CFO, and the corporate structure was so complicated that there was 134 different entities under the FTX banner
0: worldwide. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that. exact that last piece. Um, the new CEO uh, who came in uh i forget his name ray ray someone uh basically he he uh made a sort of announcement today or publicly released some documents in uh as part of like the bankruptcy filings the chapter 11 filings and uh he's i'm, I'm going to quote he says i have over 40 years of legal and restructuring experience i have been the chief restructuring officer or chief executive officer in several of the largest corporate failures in history I have supervised situations involving allegations of criminal activity and malfeasance, i.e., Enron. I have supervised situations involving novel financial structures, i.e., Enron and residential capital, and cross border asset recovery and maximization, uh, Nortel and overseas shipholding. Nearly every situation in which I have been involved has been characterized by defects of some sort in internal controls, regulatory compliance, human resources, and systems integrity. He then goes on to say, Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. From compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated and potentially compromised compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented. This is coming from someone who oversaw the enron case
1: unprecedented enron is what i feel is the go-to example of of financial fraud in the united states at least when people talk about it i feel like that's the go-to and this is the guy that was in charge of that bankruptcy slash restructuring Mm. saying that he's never seen anything (laughs) like this so that's crazy
0: it's so crazy uh what was i gonna say Uh, yeah, it it still blows my mind how they like how Alameda lost money because so not only did they have all of the customers' trade information, they could front-run trades if they so chose, decided to. I saw something today that came out about how Alameda trades were immune from being liquidated on FTX, and uh, it's just baffling. So I don't, I'm sure you saw this as well, but uh, Dan Friedberg or Friedberg, who was the chief compliance officer or something for uh, FTX. He was like one of the main people at Ultimate Bet Poker back in the day, which the massive cheating scandal came out where they were effectively just looking at people's whole whole cards cheating and just winning bunches of money. And then, you know, it unraveled because they were really stupid and obvious in the way that they were cheating. That could have gotten away with that for a very long time. Uh, But you got to imagine they were still, they, they I I'm, I just don't know how they, yeah.
1: It it seems like <clears throat> again, there's still so much more to come out. Some stuff that will never come out. The biggest thing, seemingly to me, is um. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot, but but they they did not have any sort of realistic level of discipline, right? Mm. They were not, you know, we, we've sort of seen this kind of thing in poker, right? Where somebody, um can start with a bankroll of say $2,000, right? And quickly run it up to a million dollars, but they are not satisfied with that amount of money. Mm. And so they want to keep expanding how much money they have at that same rate. And so they just keep risking too much money all the time. And even if you're making essentially good bets when you do that, it it only takes a little bit of bad luck for things to go mm. very badly when you're sizing things too big. It seems like largely there was a lot of that. Now it also seems like um You know, there was an echo chamber, a lot of drugs, a lot of drug use Mm. were were told was happening. There's also like, you know, um, like webcam footage and stuff where you can see drugs on the table and stuff. There there was that one um, drug where supposedly the side effect has to do with like excessive levels of um, problem gambling, which is sort of terrifying and, and so annoying for the people that w- actually lost tons of money on this. Now, me personally, I've never used FTX, luckily. Um, I'm sort of old school enough in in the crypto game where I really do believe the concept of not your keys, not your coins. So my money only ever really touches um, exchanges for a half a second when I send money to it, sell it, and then withdraw it to my bank account. Um, mm. That's basically the extent of my time on centralized exchanges. I don't know. I don't know if you had anything there. It is kind of crazy where, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter who essentially are smart enough and sophisticated enough, theoretically, right, in crypto to not have got burnt by this, but but developed enough trust in this one because of how big it was mm. and because of how successful it seemed like it was that they got caught with their pants down and had a bunch of money stuck on it that, yeah. that now is going to be marked down to nothing or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of these sort of really advanced traders that are moving large, like trading large sums of money, would use FTX it's the because it's because it's
1: for traders by traders, right?
0: I mean, the actual software and the platform and the like, all the options and stuff were from all accounts. Again, I haven't used it, but and I, I don't really trade coins, but uh, they were really great and they had a lot of good features and it was well built. But you know, it that's all for nothing if the the centralized entity perpetrates fraud and steals your money and you know okay. it's, it's yeah so yeah it's really
1: yeah the ultimate Bet software was pretty good too yeah,
0: yeah i never loved it but it was it very bad.
1: different but um, yeah didn't think it was bad
0: yeah uh it's i've heard a lot of people talk about how uh kind of ironic it is that a lot of the nft community which are like very new to crypto generally speaking 2021 and twenty twenty two. Largely, all of our assets are self-custody because we use MetaMask and because you, know, right. you can't use a centralized exchange to buy and sell NFTs, really. And uh, the vast majority of the people that got burned were people that had been around for many, many, many years. Supposedly
1: sophisticated people from crypto Twitter, right? And may- who have so enjoyed disparaging
2: NFTs this whole time. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that is kind of funny.
0: Yeah. And like this whole story is continuing to unravel. Like every single day, there's new. So he went on, Sam went on Twitter and just like tweeted the word. Like he, he's going to tweet a Twitter thread as if like he won and then tweet something and then two. And the first tweet, one, is just what? And this was like three days ago, like a week yeah. after this all came out. And people were like, what the hell is happening? And then the next tweet was literally the letter H, B, I believe. No, H, because he's spelling out what happened. H and then A and then P and then P. And it was just it's just infuriating. And and people are like, what the what what is happening? Yeah. I I well what is happening. Yeah.
1: But then it turned out seemingly. So there's basically services that um check whether or not you're deleting tweets, right? Yeah. And but so the way that they work is basically they'll check how many tweets you have. And if the number is the same over the course of a minute, it d- it does not detect that you have deleted a tweet. So supposedly what he was doing was he, would, he knew that somehow that that was how these operated. He would delete a tweet that was sort of incriminating and then post this one tweet within a minute. So that way mm-hmm. these services that are tracking whether or not tweets get deleted would not capture it and then was slowly basically deleting various mm-hmm. incriminating tweets through the method of making these inane tweets at the same yeah. time.
0: Yeah, and I mean someone many people had backed up all his tweets well before and so you know it didn't work everyone knows what he was tweeting and now it's very obvious that the other thing to-
1: too is i'm sorry that you know he's he's trying to destroy this evidence or whatever but then he's also freely dming journalists yes
0: the most incriminating <laughs> shit
1: possible like it's
0: so great yeah. it's it's really crazy and he's not yeah he's
1: um, so we we also haven't gotten into, like, all of the lobbying he was doing, the political mm. donations, who his parents are, like, who Caroline's parents are. There's a mm. lot of stuff going on there, too, that's sort of interesting and, and frustrating. Um, yeah. I, I've delved into that stuff less, but but to some extent have followed it as well.
0: Yeah, same. I've... So I've never been one to really believe in conspiracy theories, and I generally think when someone like says something that seems kind of outlandish and like like hard to believe, and like oh that would never, I'm like yeah I kind of agree. And you know, nine eleven was perpetrated by the government. You know the you know we didn't actually land on the moon, and you know, it's all you know the government's doing. This is the first instance that I can realistically be like, there's something very strange afoot, and oh that you see that, it, sorry. yeah. And I was going to say, you see it because A, of the amount of lobbying he was doing and how much money he donated to the you know, Democratic Party, uh, who his parents are, who are lawyers and very involved in politics. Uh, Caroline's uh, dad, I believe, was a Gary Gensler's boss and they both went to MIT. They were both working at MIT. Gary Gensler is the head of the SEC and very involved in this space. And then you combine that with some of the news articles coming out from like the New York times that are basically fluff pieces on Sam where they're just, they don't mention anything about fraud or stealing money or anything. And it's just really, Oh, this is a a wonder kid who made a bad decision and it's kind of collapsing poor him. At least he's sleeping at night. And it's just like all of it combined is like this, this is whack.
1: Yeah. That that's the New York times thing is a little bit sort of extra interesting in that recently, I believe it was revealed that they had made a conscious editorial decision four years ago or something to only write critically about tech. Basically, they, they, huh. they basically decided that all these big tech companies were like too big for their britches and potentially dangerous or whatever. So we need to scrutinize them, which mm. you know I feel like is largely true. But also, if you are Deciding ahead of time that you're only going to write negative stuff, that's that's re- sort of ridiculous too. But, mm. but the idea of scrutinizing them because they're very powerful and, and potentially malicious is quite reasonable to me. But then, you know, ostensibly, right, crypto is also technology. And then they're writing this thing that is not at all critical, basically, of a giant fraudster committing yeah. a giant fraud. Um, yeah, so the, the, there's that. You said the thing about him. He, I believe he was the second biggest donor to the Democrats mm. during this um, election cycle. One of the other guys at Alameda was like the third biggest to the Republicans. I don't know if you saw mm. that. Um, it might be the guy who was the CEO that quit like three weeks ago, and when none of us thought that was weird, and then in retrospect it was weird. I can't actually yeah. remember who's, who it was, but you know, another thirty-three million dollars or whatever to the Republicans. But so it it does seem like. Um, SBF was quickly on his way to sort of cement uh, FTX's position through regulatory capture. Now, we'll see how much of that is able to still come to fruition and how Mm -hmm. much the people that are sort of in charge of that kind of decision-making will go, oh, this guy was a giant fraudster. Probably the stuff that we were getting advised from him is not such a great idea. It is. I mean, like, did you see Kevin O'Leary, like, you know, my mind is kind of going, <laughs> but, did. uh, well, which one did you see the one where a couple of weeks ago he said he would never, that's the safest place or whatever.
0: I saw both. So there's uh, a, a video of Karen yeah, and Larry a while, a while back, uh, who he was talking on some panel about, uh, exchanges and specifically FTX. And then he goes, you know, I have to disclose I am a, a, a paid spokesperson and an investor in FTX, but you know, I believe this is the safest place because this kid Sam, he's a genius he's got two parents who are compliance officers, and you know if there's one place I feel safe having my money, it's at f t x with him and then uh obviously, this all blows up, and then you know there's an interview that or video comes out uh just a couple of days ago, someone's like, All right, so all this has happened you know would you you know would you bet on Sam again, would you invest in him again and and I didn't see the whole thing, but effectively he Kevin O'Leary starts off with saying yes.
1: Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, Yeah. So that also reminds me, did you see the Sequoia Capital thing?
0: No, I don't think so. What happened there?
1: So Sequoia Capital are big, it's just a big investing group, right? I think they specifically do VC, but um, don't necessarily quote me on that. And they had invested in FTX a while ago. And when they did it, they wrote like this letter and it was just, glowing praise um the guy specifically said he he felt like he was looking at a future trillionaire um and you know talked a lot about his ex- eccentricities or whatever mm. and you know it's one of those things that seems ridiculous at the time but seems so much more hilariously ridiculous in retrospect um part of it was about how like he's just like playing league of legends and because they're like old and out of touch they're like well this this guy's a fucking genius and that's another thing that people have been getting a big kick out of, right? Is that he's in like level three bronze in League of Legends and has been for years, which is pathetic to, to basically yeah. never level up. Beyond the fact that he should be playing Dota, not League of Legends, right? And he's uh-huh. not even doing well in League of Legends.
0: Yeah. it's There's also, uh, I mean, there's this whole other side to him where he's he's been very Public about being an effective altruist, right. which is uh, basically means that you know, altruism is you know, donating money, using your money to to help others, being charitable. Uh, being an effective altruist is a concept that, well, if you have a hundred dollars, you can donate that hundred dollars right now to charity. You can give it to someone less uh, less fortunate than you and, and really make an impact on someone or many people's lives. However, if you have like the skills, the talent, the connections, the ability to sort of invest that $100, you know, turn it into thousand, a million, 10 million, a billion dollars, uh, you know, and these numbers can obviously be whatever. But if you can, you know, make money very quickly and then you can donate do- donate is more effective to, in terms of helping the world to raise more money, make more money and then donate even more. And he's he'd spoken about how he's going to donate billions to charity and to yep. here and there. And he definitely got uh, a lot
1: of like, Fun yeah. positive coverage when when he was talking about that a while ago as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um.
1: I, now, it in terms of effective altruism as a concept, is it also basically covering the idea that, um, you know, when you actually do go to donate, right, you can you can use basically math and science or whatever to decide where the money actually has more use, right? It's not just mm-hmm. about delaying it; it's about analytically deciding. Where you're going to get the most I think your so. buck, I think. Um, yeah, which in theory, all of this makes sense. Totally like, makes sense. I, I actually do. I have thought about that concept.
2: Right, makes a ton of sense because you sort of think of the, um, um you know, the the gains or whatever that you're
1: making um, by not what what am I compound interest, right? Basically, mm. um, by delaying that Now, I also wonder how much compound interest is there on the donating. Now, right, um, yeah, it's very obvious how the compound interest of the money works of delaying it, but, like if you you know donate these mosquito nets now that save lives now what are what are the compound interests of good mm-hmm. in the world that come from that that can sort of act as a counter argument to just wait yeah. until you're about to die to actually
2: donate all this money,
0: yeah, that's a it's... whole other
2: can of worms, though,
0: yeah. Yeah, man, what a and this is all happened basically. It all unraveled extraordinarily quickly, like basically Very fast, over the course yeah. of a few days, uh, and the fallout's been going for a week longer. And I think a lot of people are talking about contagion and how we have not. So, BlockFi, yet seen, right, yeah. already
1: blew up because of this, as far as mm. we know. Um, they had got uh, like a four hundred million dollar loan, I believe, from FTX or from Alameda. What's the fucking difference? I don't know. Um, in June or something of this year, I believe, um, and that mm. sort of staved them off for a while. But now it seems like they're they're dead again.
0: As a result, yeah. Of I this. mean, specifically, they were a victim of the U.S.T. the Terra and the Luna collapse that happened earlier in the year, and they were effectively going to be insolvent, and customers were going to lose their money. And uh, FTX Sam basically came in and like. Bailed them out, bought them, and said, you yeah. know, we're going to inject a large amount of capital, keep you afloat, and it again seemed like this you know really savior of the market and got a lot of positive press because of that, but then we just are finding out now that they were he was pressuring them to like keep their funds on FTX. yeah, and
1: yeah. I also saw that theoretically was um, doing this preferentially to, to people that had big FTT balances. Because he didn't want mm. for selling of the FTT token. Um, but yeah, when mm. he was buying this, this is also sort of where he started getting the nickname the JP Morgan of crypto. Because JP Morgan, mm-hmm. I guess, was sort of being a lender of last resort. And that's how he acquired a lot of his banking assets or something like that. So this was yeah. seemingly being, uh, him being similar in the crypto space.
2: Yeah. Um, do you want to uh, talk
1: about just sort of what you think this will do to the legitimacy of crypto? what you think it'll do to people understanding the difference between CFI and DeFi, um
0: any of that sort of stuff or do you want to try and you know get yeah i'd love to talk about about like the the short medium and long term uh after effects of aftermath of all of this and i think it's quite clear that short term is devastating to a lot of people to the space it's lost a lot of credibility Medium term is probably still likely to be bad uh from regulatory perspectives. You know, Sam was the face of crypto. He was, you know, the the in Washington, all the politicians and, and many people would have seen Sam, known of him, known of other people meeting with him. His face was on TV. Uh, you know, they did Super Bowl ads, they had sports stadiums that they branded, uh, they partnered with so many people, Kevin O'Leary and and many, many, many more. And then for this to all come blowing up, it's sort of like A lot of people uh, sort of in government and regulators, but also just like, you know, just your average person in, say, the US, I think that's where they were probably most well-known, but just around the world as well, would probably look at this and go, oh, that crypto thing blew up again. It was a fraud. That whole crypto thing was a Ponzi. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew crypto was bad. So people are just going to be like much more likely to stay away and there's going to be a lot of fallout and potential massive regulatory like overreach, I think some sort of regulations are good and needed and, and wanted, but the big fear is that you know there's overregulation, and uh, this might lead to more of that. long term though, I think it's it's it, it just kind of highlights the importance of of DeFi. like this is this is a fault of a centralized team, a centralized entity, a centralized exchange. Uh, as Opaque have been most of the things,
1: right? Opaque, financials exactly no transparency. Heartache.
0: You look at all of the DeFi protocols, Aave, MakerDAO, uh, you know, many, many more, Uniswap, and Uniswap. They're all just running as they, as you'd expect, because it's all code. And, and, uh, yeah, I think long term it's fine. And people are going to realize, oh, yeah, we shouldn't keep trusting these centralized exchanges. Let's just do things on chain where this literally cannot happen. And it's not 100%. like, you know, on-chain things are immune. There can be bugs in code, and there's yeah, the code can, can just be fucked up. For sure. But it's it's not a person intentionally, necessarily deceiving you uh, and yeah, hiding had- things. You can't hide things,
1: right? Yeah. So the other thing is, like, theoretically, when you're talking about DeFi, the worry is that there's a bug in the code, right? But you, we can all look at the code and judge for ourselves, which is not something that people have the luxury of being able to do with FTX and mm. seeing that the money wasn't there and that they were, there was all these related party transactions and yada yada yada. Yeah. How, fun- how, is going how, to be? how funny are the videos of him just shaking uncontrollably yeah. because of all yeah. the
0: all In the hindsight, so much stuff is, is so obvious. But yeah. What do you think of the short, medium, and long term effect? Do you kind of agree so, with mine? Or?
2: Yeah, I kind of agree
1: with you. I think in terms of specifically, if you want to talk about the short terms, it does seem like we might see more dangerous contagion that has not surfaced yet, right? Of, you know, just various funds that um, have been a little bit yeah. suspiciously quiet in, in uh, the aftermath NFT projects too,
0: whose treasuries might have been on FTX.
1: Yeah, that's true as well. Um, Zach just revealed one of them, right? Soul Chicks or something like that. Um, that's also another whole other thing, right? Solana, we haven't talked about this, but uh, SAM and FTX were a big part of Solana. And Mm -hmm. specifically, um, it appears that Sol BTC and Sol F, which are basically wrapped versions of those on Solana, were created by Alameda. And the actual uh, Bitcoin and F that were supposed to be backing these is non-existent. And so that means all of those coins on the Solana network, those wrapped versions of Bitcoin and Ethereum on Solana, are worthless themselves, which blew up a bunch of mm-hmm. DeFi over there. Solana went down like 40% in a day the other day because of all this. Yeah. Um, so that's another ver- um, you know, sort of version of the contagion we're talking about. Yeah. Just in terms of a whole chain there.
2: Yeah. There's so... There's just...
0: It's been just a dark week. It's just been... That. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, well, another thing that you know, I was actually just talking to Kayla about this this morning. She was sort of surprised to hear how high the price of Ethereum was, relatively speaking, because she was like, "I mm-hmm. thought everything was just dying because of this." And it's like, it does seem like we talked about this with Art Blocks a while ago, but like, there's not many sellers left of Ethereum, right? Yeah. Like, a- after Terra Luna, right? After Three Arrows Capital, after this, it's like there's been. In all of crypto history, like three of, I mean, Mt. Gox is sort of the only thing comparable, I think. Um, Yeah. And the Dow hack, right? Those are basically the five worst things in crypto history. Three of them happened this year in sort of six months. Yeah. Right. In in sort of rapid succession this year, Um, there's just almost not much worse stuff that you can see happen. So, yeah. I don't know it just it, it does seem like now again th- it, this seems like it's going to scare away all of the potential new money right where the fuck are the buyers going to be at this mm. point when there's this much scariness and uncertainty and and just, let's let's be clear right outright fraud um mm. that has sort of been in the space now a lot of people obviously want to draw a line between crypto and this right because it's not the defi it's not all mm. of the very pure ethos of crypto, which is is true, but you you can't just fully separate it. At least in the minds of the potential buyers or whatever that you want yeah. to join the space. Um, so I yeah, it does seem like where the heck like where is the money going to come from? I don't know. But also on the other hand, the four sellers have already sold right, or or most of them have, and all the uh, you know potential losers of faith sellers. They've already lost faith and sold. Like there's, there's not much left on the downside, seemingly.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's yeah. It, on the one hand, it's you know, if you haven't sold yet, you know, you're probably not gonna panic sell. Yeah, yeah. You've had but, plenty of
1: chances to panic sell. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't done, but it new yet, buyers no is
0: new buyers is probably not something we're gonna get a flood of. Yeah, Ecuador
1: announce that they're going to be buying one Bitcoin a day starting tomorrow, right? But
0: that's that's small. For an entire country, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, after the merge, ETH is... It's been, like, almost deflationary and sometimes deflationary and pretty much not inflationary, which, like, that is... Imagine if the merge didn't happen. There would be so much additional selling pressure on... Yeah. ETH, Here's
1: another thing I've heard people talk about that's sort of a little interesting to think about. Um, when we see what happened with Three Arrows Capital, um, and when we see what's happened with FTX here, like <clears throat> how much of the the bull market and the buying was just insane leverage, right? Yeah, and, and was not necessarily new real capital coming into the space, but just Leveraging that same capital over and over to in, in, increase buying
2: pressure—sort
1: um, yeah. of an interesting, sad, whatever thing to think about. Um, yeah, it is also funny. Like you sort of see people talking a little bit of the opposite. Like, um, what if a guy like Michael Saylor had been more disciplined and waited till now to be buying? But you know, the counter I, I think is that without all of sort of that insane bullishness before. Would we have ever gotten to those prices? No, which means we wouldn't have cratered to here to have this opportunity. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. That's just sort of speculative alternate history curiosity.
0: Yeah. I've heard from a few people that, you know, we're here through the entire last bull market and, and by and large, things were far, far more destitute last time around than they are now. And, you know, we're still relatively early into this bear market, you know, it could go on for another if we if we say like how long the last one went on the one before that, they were like two to three years. You know, this could go on for another 12 months, 18 months. Uh but or it could be longer than previous ones, right? It could like, be longer. Could absolutely there's be no longer. reason
1: that it has to be no longer than the previous exactly. crypto bear. That's ridiculous.
0: Exactly could be way longer. But they said that sentiment was just like way lower. Because there was just not there was just nothing happening. Like yeah a lot of people left there wasn't defi there weren't nfts people were just kind of twiddling their thumbs and uh you know a bunch of people were building stuff but there there wasn't this whole community that we have now like there was a, a smaller community but it was much much smaller and so it's kind of to me a really great bullish sign that there's still so many people and so much like activity and so much stuff being built and and things happening and like experiments are being run and brands and companies are still like Dipping their toes in, you know, Nike just announced Dot swoosh. Right. You know, uh, there's like ten massive companies that are coming onto Polygon. You know, Starbucks, Reddit, Nike, uh, more. I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but yeah, it all seems kind of bullish to me. Game of Thrones is doing a thing with NFTs, and uh, yeah, I'm, well, speaking
1: of which, yeah. House of the Dragons, have you started yet? You said you watched one yeah. episode a while ago, right?
0: I've I'm about halfway through. I watched, I think. Five, four or five. So they did. They did the big time jump. I don't think they've done a big time jump. They've done like a a few like small to medium ones. Yeah, but I don't think there's been a massive one, which I'm looking forward to.
2: But yeah, love that show.
0: Yeah, it is really good. But I'm just still so burned from the last season of Game of Thrones. Oh
2: yeah, I'm over that. Yeah. Um, do you want to I mean we can talk about this again, the specific story
1: some more. We can extrapolate some more, or we can kind of work on wrapping this up. Do you have anything specific you want to get into?
0: Kinda of wrap it up. I think, you know, FDX has been it's obviously the the story of the week. For sure. And, and it will continue. Most to of be. us it will continue to be. Most of us have spoken about, thought about, heard about and been exposed to a lot of ftx news and uh i mean we could go on for like hours we could really dig in more but i think we've done a pretty good job highlighting the the like the yeah. the big pieces and giving some opinions so let's let's maybe uh, you mentioned you had a, a cool way of wrapping up the show a new thing you want well, to well
1: so we, unfortunately i thought you were going to interpret that the way you did where it's like a fun thing or whatever but you know how we're always trying to say like to do good things right i thought of another good one that Deck uh, you deck yeah one? not 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 All necessarily right. a Let's, fun thing. that's less today. fun yeah but yeah. It, it is going to be good because it's like why why aren't people doing this right it's going to be a good thing um okay just as an aside i i quite like the new art blocks curated drop i kind of wish i got to participate in it it's interesting art to me
0: yeah i haven't had a chance to i'm so it used to be every single like i would like that was like the one thing every week i, I would like, look forward to and then yesterday, I just saw this thing pop up on OpenSea, and I was like, "Top!" And I was like, "Oh right, there was an upblock. It's a Wednesday. There was a, obviously there was a curated job. It's been a while, and um, I haven't had a chance to look into it. But at, at a cursory glance, it looks pretty cool. And uh, that's yeah. just a little. Maybe aside. let's talk about upblocks for a little bit. Uplux is you watch it was just, yeah <laughs> okay. I mean, we Marfa just happened. Neither of us went. Yeah. But, uh, apparently, there were like six hundred people there, which is kind of. A large number given how far and difficult it is to get to. Uh, yeah. It seemed like it was awesome. Tim Ferriss was there. That's kind of cool. Um, I like his podcast and books. Uh, yeah. Upbox is popping off. They went on this crazy bull run. Like maybe it ended like a week before the FTX stuff blew up. Yeah. But prices across the board were going kind of bonkers again. And specifically, I think uh, people were really putting together sets. So, season one to eight, a bunch of people put together full curated sets and then uh, a lot of people just started buying a bunch of curated stuff from those seasons and especially season one like Crypto Blots, I think the floor got to like 1.2 or 1.5 ETH at one point which has uh, historically been one of the lowest floor collections. Yeah. It's high supply but it's season one so yeah.
1: Yeah. High supply and also probably um, not as sort of
2: complex or interesting of art as a lot of the other yeah. ones right? Um. But yeah, very high supply as well. Um, It is funny how just, you know, the entire
1: crypto space is imploding and then kind of our block <laughs> buyers are just sort of vibing with the art, right? They don't, they just kind oh, of don't yeah. care.
0: Yeah, it's.
1: And, and that's sort uh, of a little bit like you were saying about NFTs in general being, it's sort of, it's sort of separate in a lot of ways because, mm-hmm. you know, they're. The crypto stuff is a lot of it's so theoretical, right? But as far as use cases and stuff like that, like the pure art NFTs, it, it's it's already the thing that so much mm-hmm. of crypto wants to find, right? Is use cases um, that are far off into the future? But that the the art is already there; it's already happening. Um,
2: yeah, and Art Blocks is sort that of is, the center. That and, is and everything part of that.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, it's been going great. FX Hash has been doing really great. There was a new collection that dropped. Um, I can never pronounce it. Uh, let me try. Asequia, maybe. Don't know about it. By the Paper Crane and Rich Pool. Uh, yeah, it just. I think within like a few days or a week, it's like the tenth most traded, like high volume. No, oh, I've collection seen this on, on Twitter Hash. a bit. Looks yeah, a
2: little bit like bent.
0: A little bit. Uh, also looks a little bit like oh, I forget the DK? second most recent GM Dow drop, not DK. Oh,
1: uh, Facturer, maybe?
0: Yeah, it yeah. does
1: look a little bit like some DK Motion's um, like yeah,
0: scenes
2: where he's got his characters mm. walking through a little bit to me.
0: Oh, I love DK so much, he's so good. Uh, but yeah, FX hash has been. Chugging along, doing pretty good things. Generative art is. Just, I listened to our, our episode of Waiting to Be Signed. I thought it was really good. Oh, yeah. Everyone should go check that out. Uh, it
1: was sort of the funny thing. We've talked about this a little bit before, talking about like listening to our own podcast, but like you're hearing me talk, I'm like, this guy's making some great fucking points. Like, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I think. And that's exactly <laughs> how I would phrase that.
2: It's like, yeah, yeah. no shit, Jamie. That's you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so stupid. Uh, yeah, but we're pretty smart, though. Right? Yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Some people like. It. We think we are. Yeah.
1: Um. All right. Let's um, let's wrap it up.
0: Wrap it up. You want to play a game? Sure. You do
1: we want to do a giveaway or just play the game for fun?
0: Let's just play for fun. Okay. We've, we've done a few giveaways. Let's play for fun.
2: Uh. Ooh, I got a good one. Okay. Okay. By the way, for the listeners that don't know,
1: the name of the game we're playing is What Am I Thinking? And we're not going to tell you the rules because we don't have that
2: kind of time, but you'll figure it out. Ready? Three, two, one. Tank. Lollipop. Tank and lollipop. (laughs) Wow. Tank and lollipop. Those are pretty far apart. That's really... What the...
0: How do you
2: you combine those two? (laughs) I sure. Okay, I got, I got something. I guess three, two, one. Soldier, person, soldier in person. Wow, soldier in person. Okay, okay. I I I got something. Okay, Three. Kinda. Two, one. Teenager, army. teenager and army. Okay. Yeah, I got another one. Three, two. One recruitment, military recruitment and military. Okay, I got one. Boy, army would be great. Uh, okay, sure. Three, two, one, draft, war, draft,
1: and war. Oh, we're doing that <laughs> circling the drain thing. Uh, draft
0: and war. Okay, I guess now I- soldier would be really good, but <laughs> you ready? Draft, no, not yet. Um.
2: Uh, sure. This is, we're not going to match. I can tell by that. Three, two, one. Conscription, gun,
1: conscription mm. and gun. Boy, we might. This is one of those ones where we might have to give up because now, like the correct no, answer, so we're up. not giving okay. up. Conscription
2: and gun. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Three, two, one. Supplies. Death. Supplies and death. Supplies <laughs> and death. Okay. Three, two, one. Casualties. Grass. Grass and casualty. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Fertilizer, Brave. fertilizer, and grave. Okay, three, two, one. Corpses, cemetery. Corpses and
1: cemetery. <laughs> can, do can we quit okay. because we're so fucking. Let's let's go with
2: three more. Three more. Three. Okay, corpses and cemetery. Okay, three, two. One casket, zombies, casket and zombie. <laughs> Three, two, one, gravestone, funeral. gravestone and funeral. Okay, oh boy, I got my last one. Um, sure. Three, two, one, eulogy, eulogy.
1: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That was amazing.
0: <laughs> I changed last second wow. as well. Oh,
2: that was Ooh. exhilarating.
0: That was great. <laughs> oh gravestone. man, I did not see
1: that coming.
0: I what was I going to say? What was it? It was gravestone and cemetery. Yeah, I think funeral, so. gravestone, and funeral. Gravestone of- I was going to say dead. Oh, okay. Oh no, I was going to say deceased, deceased. And then right at the end, I, oh funeral that was, was a little
1: bit more. Um, okay, that's been the end of the episode. Um, don't, don't do huge financial fraud, right? That's a good one to tell our listeners. That's visitors. a good
0: one. Don't um, eat blood, don't litter, likes, comment, subscribe, yeah, thing, follow us.
1: The thing that I had thought about was wear your seatbelts, right? No reason not Should to put on to. your fucking seatbelt, people. Just do it, right? Way safer. It's not, I'm, it's not inconvenient.
0: Just do whatever, I agree. I every mean, time you get in your car, put your seatbelt on. I I agree a hundred percent with this, but I am a little disappointed that this was the theme that we built up to. I was I was hoping for a little more. Yeah, well, I
1: mean, again, I I told you that you interpreted it as being a bigger thing than it was meant to be. But even even when earlier you said you
0: had something like you know the donate blood it's type a, thing, I'm still hoping for it's a little so, more. So
1: there's no downside to it though, you know. It's a it's an easy pure one. Like people, okay. I think I think. Okay. Um. Well, thanks for listening. Yep. And. Sorry if you got screwed by FTX.
0: Oh yeah, I hope you didn't. Um, yeah, um,
2: hope you didn't.
1: Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.
0: Two bored apes talking NFTs, DeFi,
1: and some random stuff. Two bored apes talking NFTs, DeFi, and some random
2: stuff.